0: You know, standing on the frozen tundra, it something happened. I, I fifty below weather uh, Fahrenheit, and, and I come back with a fire in my belly to go. Okay, this is what it means to be an artist. This is what it means to be to the student of photography of the art of photography. You know, um, I don't know. I I can't explain what happened. Uh, there was not a defining moment in that trip.
1: This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed. Photography Magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olson, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, my folks, oh my lord, we are going to Canada and we're going outside and we're going to the mountains. We are going to some of the most beautiful landscapes on the planet, which are a photographer's both challenge and dream. And there is absolutely nobody, at least as far as I'm concerned, nobody that has a more interesting or a more accomplished or a more uh, bold, we're going to get to that term in a minute, a more bold approach uh, to landscape and outdoor photography than Lee Nordby. Lee is... 2023 black and white photo award finalist he was a finalist for the digital photo magazines 2022 black and white image award there's an international bronze medal in there um all sorts of magazine publications and mentoring and most importantly a body of work that is just heart-stopping you look at these images and they get straight to your heart and soul lee how are you doing today how's life up in canada
0: Uh, It's great, man. I'm I'm excited to uh, to talk to you and uh, and see what we can talk about. Well you, you know
1: outdoor landscape photography you can do pretty ponds you can do you know nice gentle rolling hills but there's something special when you get out into the wilderness and then you get out into the mountains you know it's it's special not only when you're viewing it you know you're standing you know in front of your computer or in a gallery or whatever but it is an extraordinary challenge just to get in the position to take those shots but you grew up in the Rockies you know I'm, I'm reading your stuff on your website here uh, you know you talk about that your dad and your family was all always out um, hiking in the Rockies, doing that kind of stuff. And your dad would always have a camera with him. And then and you got, you know, the, the famous high-tech Instamatic back when you were a kid. I love the Instamatic. You know, I, I didn't know it at the time, but the Instamatic and the little flash cube, you know, th- that, that's where I began. So, so tell me about those early days. Tell me about falling in love with the mountains and then having a camera in your hand.
0: Yeah, my dad uh, was always an avid amateur and uh explorer uh we uh we went out a lot and he would always carry a camera and you know when my sister and i got old enough we each got an instamatic and we would carry those on holidays or on just you know extended uh, vacations and you know today we live in a world of uh instant gratification we can look at the back of a camera Uh, and see what the shot's like and you know obviously back in those days and we grew up in a small town where we didn't have a photo developer so my dad would have to send it away and it would be like seven days of anticipation of what we would get back
1: so this 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 wasn't just casual snapshots snapshots to put in a family album and let it get dusty this was a more serious approach
0: well yeah you know as serious as you can be as a kid and uh i don't know i try to get some shots that i that i loved and i've gone back and i've looked at a few and you know um i've grown as a photographer but i like them still but uh yeah so you know and then my dad my parents owned a drugstore, so i'd get home from school and the package of photographs would be sitting on the table and i i'd spend i'd spend you know an hour or so going through them and it was nothing more exciting than than after all that wait, you know, what the length of time that you're on the holiday and then the length of time it takes to get them developed. And you finally get to see them. There's a lot to be said about that, even though we live in this world of instant gratification now.
1: Well, say more. What what is it about that delay that is insightful?
0: Well, anticipation, I think, is the biggest thing. What did I you know, today we can look at the back of the camera and go, Well, that's not very good, or hey, that is awesome. And then and then you get You anticipate, you don't know, you don't know for, well, if we took the photograph at the beginning of our three week vacation, I don't know for a month. And so it's, it's the anticipation of waiting for what you captured and, and building in your own mind what, what that might be like.
1: You know, it it, it dawns, I mean, listen, you speak, there might also be some merit to the bad shots because the sense of loss is so much greater when you've sent it away and you've waited for it and it's come back. If you see, take a bad shot now with a digital camera, you go, that didn't work. and You go straight on to the next one. There might be more learning to the bad shots in in those days. Absolutely. Absolutely. You... Lived in the UK for a while, you know, and you've been through Europe, Greenland, Namibia, Bhutan. You've traveled a fair bit and bet you've come back to the Rockies. So tell me about the travels. Tell me about coming home.
0: Well, so in a previous life, uh, I was an accountant. I call myself a recovering accountant. So it took me my career in accounting, took me uh, overseas to the UK for two years in the mid 90s. And, you know, I grew to appreciate uh, what I had in Canada in terms of standard of living and, and just the beauty of, of the Rockies and, and the province that I live in and the country that I live in. And after those two years, I had a chance to stay and pursue a career in accounting. But, you know, it was the attraction of, uh, of the mountains, the beauty of Canada, and, and just the uh, standard of living I was able to do have here. So we're so fortunate in Canada and in North America that drew me back here. And uh, even though I continued on in that career of accounting for a number of years afterwards, um, I still loved it. You, you,
1: you mentioned 2015 as, as being a watershed year that you, that your career took a turn from being a hobby photographer to being an artist. What happened in 2015?
0: Well, that's an interesting story. Um, I I ended up going on a workshop, uh, an ash photography workshop up in the northwest territories at the time i didn't know but they've become very good friends of mine uh, that were running it and you know standing on the frozen tundra it something happened i i 50 below weather uh fahrenheit and and i come back with a fire in my belly to go okay this is what it means to be an artist this is what it means to be to the student of photography of the art of photography you know um, I don't know. I, I can't explain what happened. Uh, there was not a defining moment in that trip. But the trip collectively, uh, over the course of a few days, in very cold temperatures and freezing my butt off, I, I came home and realized that there's a lot of work I need to do uh, to up my game. And so I just went out and shooting as much as I possibly could and experimenting as much as I possibly could. To And here I am today.
1: I I can imagine looking at an ad for a photography workshop in the Northwest Territories in winter and thinking, no way in hell am I going to go up. (laughs) I mean, you know, know, as as lovely as that sounds, I'm going to read about somebody else's adventure uh, doing that while I've got a good strong cup of coffee and warm toes. What what was the attraction of, of going to what is a really, I mean, potentially lethal environment to take photographs.
0: At the time, uh, I was a, I really wanted to learn astrophotography, and 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 uh, the people that were teaching it were, you a know, world renowned in it. And there's no better place, uh, at least in Canada, to go see the Northern Lights and up up north in in Yellowknife area, uh, just because of its proximity and you know the amount of darkness you get and you know, growing up in in alberta i was used to the cold you know i I brought along a lot of warm clothes and and was able to warm up from you know the time i got home to the to the darkness the next day and you know i was just the attraction of trying to learn a new genre of photography and to see the northern lights they you know i growing up as a kid i saw them in alberta but there's nothing better than getting north and seeing them overhead and and exploding everywhere, uh, from the horizon to to right above you, it was an awesome experience. And and you know I remember the first night, uh, the second night we went up because the first night we got clouded over. I standing stand you know clouded over on a on a photography after workshop was not so fun, but we we, we made it work. Uh, and then the next night I cleared up, and we we're in the middle of. Um, we were in the middle of class, and Paul, one of my one of the instructors, went, "Oh my God, it's going off!" Because he could see it off on his phone, and so we just packed up and rushed out to a bunch of uh, fishing boats that were moored. And you know, I ran out of the car. I was I walked around to find an interesting foreground because the sky was going to give me what it was going to give me, and it was there was no issue with the sky because it was going off like you wouldn't believe. And so, and then I set it up and then I got home and it was the first photo in my career as a student of the art of photography that I truly went, wow, that is a piece of art or that is a quality photo at the time, right? And I think it was that, that moment that I realized after spending so much time freezing my butt off that I can, that I can become a photographer, Two years
1: later, 2017, you become a professional as in paying your mortgage photographer. Why that? I mean, were you, were you selling enough work or you just decided this is what you're going to chase? You're going to chase.
0: Well, what what was that little, what happened there is the company I was working for decided I, I needed a career change. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I I don't know. I think if my, my boss probably came by my office periodically and see me staring out the window at the mountains and, and, and could sense that I I'd rather be out there. I, I don't know what, uh, you know, they were going through a, 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 reorganization, the group I was in. And unfortunately I didn't last, but you know, after two weeks of grumbling about it, I, 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 I took this as an opportunity. And then, and then over the course of the summer, I, uh, and fall, I just I thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up. And, you know, I kept coming back to pursuing the almighty passion with a hope, that the dollars follow in, uh, but up, cause up to that point, I was pr- pursuing the almighty dollar with hope of some passion or enjoyment coming along. So it was, I just sort of flipped those two on its head and, and away I went.
1: Oh God, as, as a viewer of the images, I'm glad for that. So you made some early choices or some, or some choices evolved, one of which being, and, and you know, it's, it's not an unusual choice, but it's still a choice to go, mostly, I mean, I'd say, you know, about 99% black and white. So, and you say in here, and, and, and this, I'm going to read from your own portfolio statement here. You say, as a student of the art of black and white landscape photography since early 2016, I've thoroughly enjoyed capturing the more unique perspectives of my, fav- my favorite playground in the world, the Canadian Rockies. That's magnificent. You say you always look for the bold visual stories that nature presents. What do you, what do you mean by the bold visual stories?
0: I think for me, it's you know as photographers, especially as professional photographers, uh, we are beholden to uh, a certain look to our photos on social media if you want to be successful. and And you know, I think it takes boldness for people to step outside of that look, at, to pursue something that they truly love to photograph. There, so there's that one aspect It's just trying to be unique. Um, you know, I'm out with my buddies; uh, they go left, I go right. Uh, they look up, I look down. And it's all in the pursuit of being unique. Uh, I have this, like I, I know all photographers want to be unique, but I, I feel like, you know, almost maybe to my detriment as a professional that I that I I've gone I go to absolute lengths of trying to be a unique perspective. The other thing is, I think in terms of my Editing choice, I would describe most of my images as, as um, pushing the boundaries of contrast and, you know, both regards to my blacks and, and, you know, my whites in some cases. So, you know, there's that bold aspect to it as well. And, and so I think for those two reasons, uh, the uniqueness and, and just pushing myself on my editing.
1: Well, you know, I I think every photographer, the same way that every writer, every musician, every dancer, whatever, wants to develop a style, a a recognizable, individual, idiosyncratic style that they can be recognized for. Um, And and I think you've hit that on on the mark a lot. One of the things I want to ask you about here, I'm looking at your portfolio on your website, you divide your work into thematic sections. Um, and, And the first one is into the light. And... In the in this portfolio is is one of your more famous images, one that's won some awards, and that's the image of the moon sitting on that ridge top. T- tell first of all, tell me about just this thematic category into the light. But then tell me the story. And and for those of you that you know that I, I hope every single one of you run to the website and you look at this image. But but this is a knock your socks off image. Uh, it's it's a mountain ridge that's half in, the top half is in light, the bottom half is in shadow. Uh, the sky is completely dark, and the moon is just centered right over a a, a peak in the, in the top third of the frame it, it's one of those shots that boy if you're there you got to grab it and for most of us we get there you know 10 minutes too late we think yeah, oh, should have been there but but th- this this one is is just absolutely inspiring for me as a photographer and as a viewer so tell me the story and and tell me the story of that section
0: Okay, so in, in regards to the image, we'll, we'll start there. So one of the, my most favorite activities in the mountains to do is wild ice skating, or skating on lakes, frozen lakes in, in, in the Rockies. And a buddy of mine and I were out scouting in a region of the Rockies uh, on the eastern front range. And there's a lake called Spray Lakes that we were looking at uh, just to see if we could find some ice and we stopped and we walked down to the lake and unfortunately that section of the ice was not skatable. It had frozen uh, and, it froze and then broken up and it created a very interesting uh, um, foregrounds and, and opportunity for abstracts. Um, but then we looked up and up in the top left of that peak that you see was a moon. And we both looked at each other and went, you know what? That moon may actually just dr- before it drops behind the mountain may actually sit on top of that peak we had no idea we had it was just a pure guess and so we sat there we set up we grabbed our we grabbed our camera gear i grabbed my you know my favorite lens at the time my 70 to 200 and we set up along the lake shore and just sat there and waited and sure enough that moon sat right on top of that peak and even you know you know when you talk about details matter uh it even there's a a minor space between it uh and we were just extremely fortunate and and worth waited you know we didn't have to wait too long um and so we captured it and got home and i was ecstatic by that image because it was worth the anticipation
1: it, it And it's framed beautifully. And and folks, I mean, if you're looking at the mountains, the, the sediment bands in the mountains, you know, are going uh, bottom left to top right, which is sort of perpendicular then to the ridge lines, you know, the valley lines. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous composition. Uh, but let me ask you a technical question. I mean, just in terms of light, you've got the light on the mountains, you've got the light of the moon. And, you know, normally if, if your landscape is exposed right the moon's completely blown out you can't see any details if you expose for the moon then the foreground is is completely too much in shadow how in the world did you pull this one off just at at a technical level
0: you know what we're extraordinarily lucky uh on the timing timing of that uh there was no technical uh mastery going on uh the sun was rising so that the light on the mountain uh was from the sun coming to my i guess my left and and To the left of me uh as it was rising we again timing was we couldn't have got better timing in terms of the placement of the moon and the sun coming up so you're right normally it's you know when when you're shooting the moon it's too bright relative to the rest of the, the photograph but in this case uh the moon was setting uh and the sun was rising and so we we were able to capture it as such
1: Oh man, I, I I both admire and am deeply jealous of stories that involve luck uh, <laughs> you know it, it, it visits all of us sometimes, but not not nearly enough. But t- but tell me about this section
0: now about just into the light
1: because th- th- this is all about shadow and light.
0: It is, it is, and you know, I, I as I progressed in my journey of black and white photography, I've fallen in love with you know I, I've learned to understand when to go out and photograph these types of shots in the mountains. It's usually just after sun, like the hour or two after sunrise, especially in the winter, which is my favorite time. And then, or the hour or two before sunset. And, you know, I mean, part of it, I, I wonder, I, I don't know for sure, but part of my wondering about uh, the interest in these deep shadows and, and strong light is I'm challenged by mental health. Uh, I do I've had depressive episodes in the past I do have anxieties and and so part of me wonders if my attraction to these deep darker bold images is, is part of it is is my history with that so I'm so fortunate that my last episode was 2017 so six years without a real bad um, episode in part because of my mountain therapy days, getting out in the mountains and so You know, I think part of me is attracted to those types of images because of that that uh, background or that history. But also, I I I just love. I I get so excited when I see those images pop up, and 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 I, I most of them, ninety percent of them or more, are taken with a long lens, which I fell in love with uh, as a result of a a a self imposed um, restriction I gave myself one time. What what was the restriction? What, What what did you what was the discipline? So uh, a friend of mine worked, uh, lives in, in Ontario, and he, at the time, he's retired now, but at the time, he would come out periodically to the west, and he loved Vermilion Lakes, which is under the uh, under Mount Rundle, just outside of Banff. It, it is probably, arguably, in the Rockies for sure, and then maybe even in North America, it's one of the most sh- uh, sought-after shots, sunrise or sunset, it works for both um and you know wide shot uh rundle reflecting in one of the lakes uh the you know you get the beautiful sunset or sunrise colors and because it was over, so overshot uh it, it didn't interest me that that just didn't interest me uh so i said okay lee uh you will bring your 24 to 70 but you're committed to only shooting at 50 or more and you'll bring your 70 to 200 and and I went with Craig and um, we get there. I tried my 24 to 70 above 50 and I couldn't get anything. I, there just it wasn't speaking to me. I pulled out the 70 to 200 and I I started just loving it and and grabbing shots. I grabbed a reflection in of Rundle in the lake, but it's just reflection and it's more abstract because of the, the way, the way the, the ripples were working and i loved it and so from that point on I, I started shooting more and more with my 70 to 200 which became a one to 400 um and then you know uh and then i switched systems here a couple of years ago and then that's now my one to 500 uh that i pull out a lot because i just love the the capturing the details Again, going back to trying to find a unique perspective. And the, also to, the mountain vistas, I love seeing them. I, I love driving out into the Rockies every time I go and just admiring it and falling in love again and again with the Rockies and the wide, magnificent vistas. But when I put a camera up to my eye, all I see is noise and busyness. And, 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 and I struggle to get a unique composition and so uh, with that in mind, I, I've been drawn more and more to my long lens and, and looking far deep into the scene and going, oh, that's cool. Um, let's, let's see if I can capture that.
1: Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might wanna have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. Your images have a real presence to them, by, and by which I mean, you know, they're immediate. They're right there in front of you. Um, and, and so I can see how the long lens plays into that. Tell me, Tom, there's one other image from this shot that I want to ask you the story behind. And this one, you know, for those of you that, that are just listening at the moment, again, it, it's a, a mountainscape. This is not a peak. It, it's sort of, you know, the, the side of a mountain. The The right two sides of the, of the frame have the mountain. There's a snow field illuminated right in the center. But the left one third of the frame you know, to the top left corner is the sky with very long star trails in it. And the star trails... They're parallel with some some lines in the mountain face, um but they are a brilliant bit of the composition because you know knowing you know from my own backyard work you know with the Milky Way and stuff these these have got to be oh two to four minute exposures um to get star trails that long um but they're not you know they don't go more than say you know you know a, a short distance in the frame. Did you know you were going for those star trails? Was this something that you discovered and then refined? Tell me the story, because this image is just beautiful. Um, it, it's got both earthly presence and, and astral beauty. Um, tell me the story of this one.
0: So again, uh, back, ironically, actually, it's back to the same lake I was just talking about, um, Vermilion Lakes. Uh, a good friend of mine and I just decided, this is April, I think, April 2021. So still, we weren't able to get out and do too much but we wanted to get out and shoot and we didn't want to go too far and we wanted to be home at a reasonable time so we chose vermilion lakes and so i got i i i, I got there i did the typical wide shot of vermilion of mount rundle reflecting in vermilion i found a patch of um, reeds that set uh, that framed mount rundle reflection really nicely i grabbed it uh and then i said okay Now let's try to find something that's even more compelling and really different. And I've always had, I've always been fascinated by moonlight and seeing if I can play around with the shadows and moonlight, uh, that's being casted on whatever. And, but you know, moonlight in black and white or without the sky can, it can look very daytime-like, and so I needed to add an element, you know, to demonstrate that it was, in fact, at night, and so I, was, I, I looked closely at Mount Rundle and found the shadow of um, being casted by the moon, and so I decided, well, let's frame it such that I can get some star trails in there. Um, I had no idea what the star trails would look like because I'm facing southeast, you know, the typical star trails is, your, you know, you find the North Star and, and you get the big circle. So um, I, I pointed my long lens. Uh, it took me a while to compose that because, uh, you know, I'm shooting so far away. And I got it. And so I set up, I think I set up five minutes and eight minute expo- exposures uh, and serendipity. Uh, I got the star trails almost aligning perfectly with the the ridge. Uh, that that was not planned. I wish I could say yeah, I knew exactly <laughs> what was going to happen, but I can't. I I, I, I can't. It's, it's a it's a
1: beautiful beautiful shot, man. Well, thank you. Your, your your second sort of thematic section in the portfolios is called sculpt. Tell me what you mean.
0: Okay, so I spend a lot of time. Like I say, my favorite time in the mountains is uh, now in the winter, believe it or not. And and it, it is largely revolves around two activities that I love to do. I, I talked about wild ice skating or, or skating on frozen lakes, and the other one is um, hiking into and exploring for ice caves. And through the virtue of those activities, I, I, I've i come across so many amazing What I describe as nature sculptures. I you know, I think we've got some amazing sculpt uh, artists out there that are sculptors, but I to this day firmly believe that nature and the way they sculpt way nature sculpts things is the best sculptor in the world. And and just by virtue of going whether it's traveling into an ice cave, traveling up a glacier, ice skating, going into canyons, I've come across so many amazing amazing sculptors and, and and i my mind turns to curious curiosity and i go how did that how like how how did that happen why did that happen and so i want to capture that and emulate that as much as i can in my photographs and so um that's where sculpt came from is is just my fascination with coming across these amazing features that you see in the rockies and you've got a variety of approaches here.
1: I mean, you, you've got one image of some bare ground with a, a one um, evergreen tree in it. That's you know clearly a wide shot given the size of the tree. You've got other shots that are really up close. Um, some beautiful banded snow that almost looks like a slot canyon. But you, you've got one I want to ask you about, because there's a phenomenon uh, which not a lot of people know about, that, that a lake can, a small lake, you know, a pond can freeze over and the water underneath it can actually then drain. Um, and, and you wind up with a kind of cave uh, with this layer of ice above it. I'm looking at this one shot of yours. Um, it's the if you're looking at the portfolio, it's the top right one. In, in you get to that page, it shows a sheet of ice you know, about two thirds of the way up the image, a rock scape, you know, behind that. But then underneath it, all sorts of formations of of ice below the sheet in the middle. Tell me the story of that one.
0: So we were out wild ice skating, actually, at this time a few years ago. And so our typical approach is we get out uh, onto the lake. uh, We capture our images that we want. And then uh, we channel our inner childhood and, and, and pass the puck. You know, all of us grew <laughs> up playing hockey. And, and, and for me, I, I, I coached hockey. I coached my kids hockey. Uh, so we will pass the puck, play around, have some fun. Um, and so we did all of that. And then we were wandering back. And it's at a lake called Abraham Lake in, in central, the central foothills or, or just to the entrance of the central Rockies. It's a dam, like it's actually a river, and they've dammed it for like for electricity reasons. And typical uh, processes is, is it, the lake fills up in the fall, and there's these aspen trees at the very southern end of the lake that that get flooded uh, because they're they're letting all the water uh, flow into the lake and, and and fill up, and then at some point, so that that was any of October, so. Some point from uh, when it filled up to when we saw that uh, and I photographed it, they dropped the level of the lake. But in the meantime, the the lake had frozen uh, and creating that sheet that you see there in between those three aspen trees. Then my only so I I, this is where my wonderment, my curiosity comes through. I go, how the heck did that happen? And often I'll sit there and I'll look at it and I'll try to figure it out And, and many times I'm just satisfied with the mystery of how it's been formed. But in this case I think what happened was then it felt for whatever reason the thickness of the ice and the placement of that ice in the aspens allowed it to remain intact. When it when the lake level dropped and then waves would hit the, the bottom of those the trees and create those what I call pillars, or pedest or pedestals, and over time and walking back to the car as we were leaving I, I came across this and I'm like, wow this is so cool this is like mind blowing because it, like how the heck did this happen? Um, and I grabbed my I set up on a tripod and I I, I captured it. Lee looking
1: at this now, I did not know until you just said it that there were trees in, in those formations. And now that you've said that, I am doubly impressed. My God. I mean, just looking at at, at the shadows that are in there, that that is such a such a remarkable shot. The, the I mean, I, week we could go through all of your images and, and then you'd hear me, uh, you know, be a fan of all of them. Uh, and I should tell you, by the way, since you said, you, you know, you, you coach hockey, I spent several years in, in middle school as a goalie on a great team, which is where you put the worst player. Because uh, <laughs> the, 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 the team was so good. I think in, in four years of playing, I maybe had six shots on goal. I mean, did, I, I loved the sport, had no talent whatsoever for any of it. I'm looking through. OK, I, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Because you did something that makes absolute perfect sense, and I've never seen any other photographer do intentionally, and you turned some of your photographs into puzzles, into jigsaw puzzles. Where, where did <laughs> That's fantastic. Where, where did that idea come from? And, and
0: how, how's it going? So the idea really came from, you know, everyone in the Rockies and, and perhaps in your neck of the woods is the same thing, but everyone does calendars right right they take their best photos of that year or a theme and they sell calendars and i'm like okay how can i be different i don't uh, you know i, I don't want to be another person out there doing calendars you know um there a lot of people do them because they're successful but what can i do that is in the price range below my other stuff that's that's different and unique and you know i think through covid i became fascinated by puzzles uh, you know the first the first lockdown that we had we could you know we could we could go and walk around our neighborhood. That was it, right? And go for or go get groceries. So I had to entertain myself somehow, and and so puzzles. And so I thought a light bulb came on. I thought, well, why don't I try that with some of my photographs? So I went online and I did a bunch of research, and I love to deal with local companies. You know, I, there, there was a number of companies that I could have dealt with out of overseas companies that were you know a lower price point, but I love to deal with local companies. Uh, you get, and and I found this company in Calgary that do fi- what they call fine art puzzles. And so I went, I went and I talked to them and I explored it and I bought one just to see one of the ones that they had on, on for sale. And I, and I did it myself. And I'm like, wow, these are unique pieces. This is hard, even though it's a very small puzzle. This is hard. It took me a while. So why don't I give this a go? And so I, uh, I put a couple uh, photographs in, in there and they, and they created each piece is unique. Uh, so I think I've got a hiker, I've got a canoeist, a fire, a piece of fire. Uh, I think there is a tree. I can't remember what other unique pieces that the the designer designed and place them in the puzzle. And then they, th- then they laser them. And, um, uh, so when you open the, uh, open the, container you get this smoky feel to it so it gives you a bit of an outdoor even more of an outdoor flavor to it that's where that came from <laughs> well I, I you know I was, I was
1: going through all your site and i got to that and i thought that's that is just genius that is so cool tell me about bhutan tell me about namibia oh oh
0: my god <laughs> oh, where to begin in bhutan i don't know where to begin uh so so Bhutan again, you know, I, I keep referring to that the, the pandemic. But in 2021, we had a lake property that we sold, and my gracious wife, God bless her, I love her. Uh, she said, "Whatever money you can get from selling your toys, your lake toys, uh, you can spend on a photography trip or gear or whatever you want." And I'm like, "Oh, that's very cool." So I, I knew friends were going to Bhutan, and so I, I jumped on board and because I've, I've never first of all i never heard up until they they posted that uh posted that they were going there i never even heard of bhutan mm-hmm. and so i did a bit of research and, and i've always wanted to visit the himalayas it's mountains right i love mountains and so you know unfortunately they were one of the last countries to open up so we couldn't it kept getting delayed but this year we finally were able to have make it happen and oh man it is so beautiful and like we went i think so the whole purpose the primary purpose was a 7 day trek and so in those 7 days we went up and down so many different valleys and the difference in landscapes and in terrain and in weather it was it was like almost like i traveled the world in one place and and i just loved it and and the, the best part of the highlight for me has got to be i've never been above apple to that point i never been above like at least in the rockies 11,500 feet we made it to 4900 meters which i think I, I can't remember how much that is in 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 feet but we made it to 4900 meters and i didn't have an issue you know I, uh, uh you know there unfortunately another participant and one of our guides had uh altitude sickness and so they had to be taken care of but myself I made it up there I was super ecstatic I want to go back actually they they they've got um they've got a trek called the snowman and it's 28 days and you get up to 6000 meters and I want to do it
1: I, I'm always amazed at the relationship between hiking and photography, though, because, you know, at least in my world, you take five steps and you stop for an hour to take 50 pictures. Then you take another five steps and you stop for an hour to take another 50 pictures. How, how is it that you make any distance without being utterly consumed by the beauty that, that you're hiking through? <laughs>
0: oh it's tough it, it is tough i tell you and you know what i honestly i have to go out on these adventures with photographers only i drive my family absolutely bananas um when i go out with them or non-photographers uh so because you're right there's so many you know again i'm dating myself with kodak moments out there that it, it's tough at times but we we go out there with an approach that if someone gets inspired and wants to capture an image we work with them to help them or we just sit back and enjoy nature and what it gives us, and so that's that's how that's our approach.
1: So, so when when you are out in the field, what what calls to you? Is is it curiosity? Is it light and shadow? Is it something you just haven't seen before? Well, what makes you put the camera on the tripod and and raise it to your face? Yes, yeah, to all three.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think it's I, honestly, I think it's curiosity. I think. Uh, I am so fascinated, especially when it comes to the the sculptor side of side of me. Uh, I, I I'm so fascinated with how nature can create such amazing pieces of art. Uh, I'm fascinated with how light uh, casts itself on the on the uh, ridge lines. So I'm constantly looking. You know, my I, I describe my favorite day in the mountains as those cloudy days where every once in a while the sun peeks through and cast this lovely light on some piece of the mountain um and and I'm able to capture you know have enough um time to capture it uh and and so it's all of those it's curiosity you know ultimately the whole goal is to get out and adventure and have fun You know, I went, we talked about 2000, uh, I went professional in 2017 and I went immediately into this mode of, oh my goodness, I'm a professional. I got to get an epic photo every time I go out and and capture things. And I drove myself to a place where it was not pretty and with that mindset. And so coming out of that, I I, I decided the primary goal in anything I do, even client work, is to go out and have fun. Because if I'm having fun and enjoying life, The moments will happen. I am convinced of that. And I will be able to capture them. Uh, If I get into my head, they won't. I'll come home miserable and disappointed.
1: Those are really, really wise words. I I, got to ask one. you, You... sometimes stray from, from the true path and, and shoot in color. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I mean, and and large trees, I understand, you know, you you can't do those in black and white, can't do them any justice in black and white, but what what makes you every now and then decide this shot's got to be in color?
0: The Rockies are so colorful. The lakes, you mentioned the large trees, the the lakes are so colorful that sometimes it just screams at me. This has got to be in color. Like it, it, it does. And to be honest right now, actually, I want to shoot a bit more color. Okay. You know, I think I, you know, I, I'm at the point in my uh, photographic journey where I feel that I can tweak my black and white work here and there, but I want to build breadth to my photographic experience and shooting color is one of those areas. And so I want to explore that more. Uh, and, but something, sometimes it just screams at me and goes, I need to be in color because whether it's a lake reflection or playing around with a bit of ICM, I, it just screams color at me. Very cool. So what's your, what's your next hike? What are you going to do next? Uh, you know what? Uh, I think uh, friends of I decided that we're going to go into an ice cave. We're uh, headed off to our favorite ice cave. We call it affectionately. Call it big blue first went in there in 2020 and you know, uh, sadly, through various events in Canada and, you know, the overall global warming, you know, the, our glaciers are, are receding quickly. But we're so fortunate that this ice cave, Big Blue, at least as far as we know, still exists. And so I think in a couple of weeks, we're going to head in there and, uh, and check it out.
1: Okay. Well, man, I, I wish you the best of luck. I, I am, as I said before, just absolutely beside myself with jealousy because you're, you're working in one of the most beautiful spots of the world and you are producing some of the most beautiful landscape photography that I've seen. Thank you very much. I, I have enjoyed every minute of this.
0: I, I Me too, Scott. I, I really enjoyed our chat. I always love talking photography. So thank you very much for having me on, on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, man. Take care.
1: Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.